This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. I should probably come up with a jingle so I can start singing the top of the show. Thank you so much for being here. Best part of my day. Best reason to get up out of bed. All of you. Much news to discuss. Yeah, yeah, everyone's focused on the inauguration. I'm just not that big on inaugurations. Don't know what else to say about it other than just come right out and tell you how I feel. I want minimal inauguration, although I'm not going to get my way on this. I, I, I think you throw a party. Here's an idea. I think you throw the parties at the end of the presidential term. If you're going to throw parties, why not throw parties after we've seen what you do for four years or eight years? And let's all see if there's really something to celebrate. I, I don't know if you go wild and, and party it out when you just take a job. Yeah, maybe you have a dinner with family or friends or something dignified like that. But I don't think you have to have rock concerts and all this stuff going on. And look, when Obama came into town, like I said, it was like Carnival in Rio de Janeiro or something. I mean, people were just dancing in this, literally dancing in the streets. They're all so excited. It was so great. I thought that was kind of unbecoming, but I wish they'd just tone all this stuff down. There's serious business to take care of here. Plenty of time in life to party. I don't think anyone's worried about Donald Trump enjoying himself enough in his life. And all of the people that are taking these jobs, and I'm sure there are reasons that I'm not thinking of right now that the Republican establishment would throw out there. They'd tell you that, well, this is necessary to get everyone excited and people have worked really hard on the campaign well, that's the case. I, I would think you party then right after the victory. I just think the timing of this is strange. It shouldn't be a Caesar-like procession through the center of Rome. This should not be a triumph in the ancient Roman sense of marching through the streets with the spoils of war and all of the most spectacular pomp and circumstance that one could possibly imagine at the time. I just don't like it. I do think that there's a, it, a, an acceptance now of an increasingly imperial and imperious presidency. That because we're in such a celebrity-obsessed culture, look at some of the top people in the Trump administration, other than Trump himself, who is a reality TV star. And I don't say that as a knock. It's just the truth. It's a statement of fact. It's like saying the guy's got blonde hair. He's a reality TV star, and there are other people who seem to be picking up very prominent roles, mostly because they have been talking heads on TV, some of them very smart and certainly well in keeping with those roles, but uh, or have the resumes that you would want them to have to do those jobs. I just don't like all this 
pomp and circumstance at all. I find it setting. I, I think it sets the wrong tone. This is not even a knock on Trump or the inaugur or, or the inauguration that Trump is having. It'll be much more scaled down than anything we saw with Obama. And it still remains to be seen whether there will be protests, Molotov cocktails, all that crazy stuff that the loony left, the anarchists, my old uh, my old nemeses, the black block, as you remember me from the earliest blaze days. No, I spent some time covering the black block. I went to some of their protests that turned into small riots. I saw them running around the streets of New York City, throwing uh, throwing things, kicking over trash cans, uh, making sure that they were running into police lines so they could get tackled to the ground. I know that sounds strange, but that is what they wanted to do. And then filming it and yelling about how police brutality, police brutality, all dressed in black, head to toe. Some of them have gas masks. They have backpacks that carry uh, helmets and other uh, devices, accoutrement, kit, gear, whatever we call it, that lets them get even deeper into the protests and avoid having to disperse because of some of the non-lethal response that they know the police are going to give them. But I digress. I don't like all this. I really resented it when I was in D.C. and there would be this, again, ancient Roman-style procession, although at, high, at much higher speed, of the motorcade across D.C. The president's traveling through D.C. You know, a, a, a few armored cars and a good number of Secret Service agents should, should be enough. I don't think we always need to have a traveling army inside U.S. borders with the president of the United States. That does seem to me to be a little little excessive. And it sets it sets the wrong tone, sets the wrong message, sends the wrong message when they shut down whole areas of New York City for fundraising visits. All that stuff. I don't like it. I don't think any of us should like it. And I don't think we necessarily have to just sit around quietly I know people have been told, sorry, you can't get to your apartment now. The president's visiting in a few hours. You're going to have to you know, walk 15 minutes that way and come around. For what? For what? So I, I'm not that fascinated by the inauguration stuff. Much more interested, much more interested in uh, how this is being talked about in the media. The effort to just hammer Trump. It is tireless they are indefatigable in the media they will not give up on this they will not tire they just keep pushing and pushing and hope that they're going to be able to destroy the trump administration from before it even takes office you've got uh, cnn my former employer Looking to hire somebody, this is a story from The Hill, hat tip Joe Concha. We've actually had him as a guest on the show before. That Donald Trump is looking, I'm sorry, that CNN is looking for a reporter to cover fake news. Quote, we're going to be examining the wave of fake news stories and the people behind them. But more than that, we're going to be looking at truth, what happened to it, why so many of us no longer believe it, and where these people are going to get their information instead. CNN wants someone with six years of writing and reporting experience who gets angry every time they see an inaccuracy. No, no salary mentioned in the ad. Why is the fixation on fake news such an important issue for us to push back on? Because this is all part of the liberal mentality. This is the way that leftists see the world. 
particularly their world and in this country, that it's not a question of debate, that there aren't two sides to the issue. There's their side, which is correct, and the other side, which is wrong, factually wrong, provably wrong, demonstrably wrong. And this isn't on one or two issues. This is on every issue. This is on climate. This is on economics. This is on taxes. This is on defense. This is on abortion. This is on health care. Go down the line. I sit here day in and day out, and I talk to all of you about what matters to the American people and what's going on in this country, and I am always aware that the other side often has arguments that should at least be taken in good faith, and there are trade-offs that we are making. It would be nice, it would be nice if we could have, as Bernie Sanders wants, a Medicare for all plan in this country everybody gets the government paying for all their health expenses that would be nice i'd like that currently dealing with all kinds of you know end of year reimbursement and new health care plan and all sorts of stuff be nice if someone else just picked up the tab all the time but they're going to pick up a tab for my acupuncture for shiatsu massages just kidding i don't do shiatsu massages they're going to pick up the tab for Physical therapy that is basically a massage. I mean, you get into what expenses are covered and what expenses are not. There's a serious discussion to be had here. But with the left, it's if you don't support Obamacare or if you don't support Bernie Sanders, Medicare for all, it's because you're wrong and you're a bad person. And with fake news, this is just an extension of that mindset, but it's extending that mindset into the news cycle. It's not that there are different perspectives and different editorial choices that can be made in good faith. It's that we make stuff up, we lie, we're wrong, and they're right. That's why fake news is such a fixation for them. There's no good faith argument. There's no balancing. There's no real debate to be had. It's just their way or we're bad people and we're dumb and we're wrong. So they're going to continue on with this meme because it's a way of not having to engage in argument or in, in, in debate. I mean, they'll argue, but it's a way of not having to engage in the ideas that the other side, our side, puts forward. And our people, roughly speaking, you know, some of you are going to tell me that Trump's not your people, but they are in power. They are the ones right now call or will soon be, I should say, calling the shots. So there's going to be an agenda that's not the agenda the left wants. Instead of addressing what's good about the Trump agenda and what's bad about the Trump agenda, they're going to say that this is informed by ignorance and by falsehood. That there's no real argument you made on this side. This sneering, condescending left has locked itself into this position and is not going to budge from it. The only thing that can make it budge budge is if we actually show Real gains that a majority of the American people can see and feel and know from policies that are not Obama's statist collectivist approach to everything. They're not Obama's balkanized American people constantly sliced and diced into specific identity politics groups. Going to have to show wins. Yeah, that's right. I know this is going to sound crazy to some of you. We're going to have to win until people get tired of winning. That's actually true. And not win as in win power. I mean win for the American people. Because the other side isn't going to change their tune on this at all. 
The most recent example of this, as CNN is hiring someone to look at fake news and to do stories on fake news. Washington Post's biggest story on fake news should be, uh, it should be reminded to all of us, was fake news. Nobody seems to care about that. They use the analysis of an anonymous online Russian fake news hunting group, and then it turned out it was all crap. And they said it was a correction. And, you know, I had some conservatives a little smarmy about this. Well, it wasn't a retraction. It's a correction. When you correct the underlying premise and data of a piece, that's actually a retraction. It's not really just a correction, right? If I ran a story that said that, you know, Bob, uh, Bob kidnapped Sue, and it turns out that Bob actually just picked up Sue from work and they're married, and then I have to say that at the bottom of the piece, that's not a correction, that's a retraction. Whether they want to call it that or not, the underlying premise was completely undermined. It was false. It was wrong. Let's talk about fake news for a second. Remember, this is very, it's not just a flavor of the moment thing. This is now going to be the way they argue against the GOP and against conservatism and against Trump all at once. And we all, for better or for worse, my friends, are all connected right now. Whether you're a rock-ribbed Republican, you're a constitutional conservative, you're Trump, Trump, Trump all the way, we're all on the same side of the aisle, whether we want to be or not. And there's an opposition, and the opposition is trying to defame and destroy all of us and our ideas. That's just reality. It's not fair, but as we all know, life isn't fair, and we don't all get a trophy. The left is upset about that, too. They're going to say that what we're trying to do is rooted in ignorance. They're going to say that whatever happens with this Congress, which has people like Paul Ryan running it. I mean, there are there are knowledgeable conservatives. He's not conservative on immigration, but he's conservative on other stuff. Knowledgeable conservatives who are in all of this. And. They write pieces that just sneer at us. I, I, I've gotten so into this that I haven't even had the time to tell you what made me go off on this rant, really, other than CNN's looking for a fake news reporter. There's a piece in the New York Times about Rick Perry that is just written to make Rick Perry look like a straight-up idiot. This is the New York Times, the most widely read left-wing newspaper in the country. The paper of record, the gray lady. It is an, a, a sneering, condescending hit piece on Rick Perry based on a single source that has since publication retracted. This is fake news. Run in the New York Times. This is when you have one person and you base an entire story around that one person's quote and you don't stop to think, maybe that one person doesn't have the level of access they need to know this. Maybe that's just their opinion. Maybe they weren't even around to hear the stuff that they said they heard, all of which has come out, by the way. When you run an entire major news story on that, what do we call that? Oh, people would say it's a mistake. At what point is a mistake that is reckless also fake news? People are going to say, well, you know, I heard from a guy or heard from a guy or heard from a guy and I wrote a story. I guess that's just bad journalism, but it's not fake news. No, at some point it's reckless. And, so, and at some point, recklessness and maliciousness are the same thing. I'll get into this Rick Perry piece. When we come back. Stay with it. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. You've got to read this New York Times piece to believe it, uh, team. It is so patronizing. It is so snotty, supercilious. It just makes me want to toss my cookies on my shoes, my boat shoes. Oh, no, I would never do that. Rather go barefoot. Learning curve. In quotes, as Rick Perry pursues a job he initially misunderstood, somebody please explain to me how anyone could take away anything from that other than, oh, yeah, Rick Perry's an idiot. He's going to be energy secretary. He doesn't understand anything about energy. Let me read to you some of the uh, some of the key passages here. When President-elect Donald J. Trump offered Rick Perry the job of energy secretary five weeks ago, Mr. Perry gladly accepted, believing he was taking on a role as a global ambassador for the American oil and gas industry that he had long championed in his home state. In the days after, Mr. Perry, the former Texas governor, discovered that he would be no such thing, that in fact, if confirmed by the Senate, he would become the steward of a vast national security complex he knew almost nothing about, caring for the most fearsome weapons on the planet, the United States nuclear arsenal. Quote, if you asked him on that first day, he said yes. He would have said, I want to be an advocate for energy, said Michael McKenna, a Republican energy lobbyist who advised Mr. Perry's 2016 campaign and worked on the Trump transition's energy department team in its early days. If you asked him now, he'd say, I'm serious about the challenges facing the nuclear complex. It's been a learning curve. Oh, so they they talked to this guy who left the Trump campaign before Rick Perry was even named energy secretary. And they're basing this entire piece. This is the only source they have for the entire piece on, on that quote that Rick Perry doesn't know anything that Rick Perry's an idiot and he's taking a job. He doesn't know anything about. And then they just get into the, really they get into the, the resume comparison thing here. Mr. Perry, who once called the elimination of the energy department will begin the confirmation process Thursday if approved, he will take over from a secretary, Moniz, who was chairman of MIT's physics department and the director uh, and directed a linear accelerator at MIT's laboratory for nuclear science. Uh, so and, and then they said before Mr. Moniz, the job uh, belonged to Stephen Chu, a physicist who won a Nobel Prize. Just saying, you know, oh, the Obama energy department secretaries are really smart. Rick Perry is really dumb. That's what they're saying. They're making this very explicit comparison so that you come away with, wow, Rick Perry, you know, I'm Rick Perry. I'm governor of Texas. I'm just, you know, hey, I just want to just go rustle some steers, everybody. I'm Rick Perry. It's not a good Rick Perry impersonation, but you know what I'm saying. This is the caricature they're doing of him. You know, hey, ride him, cowboy. I'm from Texas. I'm Rick Perry. Uh, the They go into some details here, uh, and they talk about, 
Rick Perry's background as, oh, I don't know, governor of Texas, which would tend to be a job that you'd think would put you in good stead for any number of other government roles. Um, and then they get into, uh, I'm trying to, oh, they, they also talk about the nuclear weapons and how that's a part of the energy departments. It's two thirds of their budget spent on refurbishing uh, nuclear weapons. And they get into how Trump wants to get into a nuclear arms race, possibly, and how Perry would be the first non-expert uh, to run the energy department. That's very important. To them. They have to have an expert running the energy department. It's a managerial job. The guy running the energy department doesn't have to be splitting, splitting atoms himself. Uh, it, it just goes on and on at, at length. And I, I just you have to read this piece because it is so it is so just full of contempt from the elites for Rick Perry. And then what you find out is that Rick Perry uh, and, and it was being spread all over the Internet. And then you find out that Rick Perry's knew he said safeguarding our nuclear arsenal on day one. He, he knew exactly. He gave public statements on what the energy secretary does. And that guy that the Times based the whole quote off of, he since said it was taken out of context and it's nonsense. This is fake news team. More coming. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, we're very happy to be joined now by Michelle Malkin. She is a conservative blogger, syndicated columnist, best-selling author, host of Michelle Malkin Investigates, which is on CRTV. You can go check out more at michellemalkin.com. Great to have you, Michelle. Thanks for calling in. Hey, thanks for having me, Buck. So I was just talking before before you called in. I was I was talking to everybody about this piece in the New York Times on Rick Perry that basically says uh, Rick Perry is a dumb hick. He doesn't even know what the Energy Department is. We talked to this guy who says so. Now it's come out that guy is the guy that they based it on didn't say that or says that it's completely taken out of context. Statements by Rick Perry in public show he does know what the Energy Department does. Does the New York Times run a run a retraction, or do they just keep keep rolling with this fake news? Well, they'll just keep rolling with it. That that's how they roll. That's how they operate. And there's a reason why. For many years, I've called them the fish wrap of record, which actually is an insult to fish because they're way too good to be wrapped by that <laughs> piece of excrement. Um, but look, I mean, for so long, and I've worked in um, the so-called mainstream media now for some 25 years. I've worked in newsrooms side by side with people like this to pretend that they are arbiters of neutrality and objectivity um, and, and and end up being, you know, the worst kind of, of operatives in, on the political scene. And they have long had the character or narrative in their mind that conservatives and Republicans are stupid and they will do everything in their power to reinforce that fake news. I started out at NBC as a videotape researcher book in 1992, and there would be producers that would come to us and explicitly say, uh, find us video of Republicans looking stupid. This is how they gathered, quote unquote, news. And you have the Washington Post also mocking a uh, agricultural secretary nominee 
they had for Walter. Uh, I'm sorry for um, the guy who's coming in as the agricultural secretary. They're saying that he uh, Trump picks former Georgia governor Sonny Perdue, who once led a prayer for rain for agriculture secretary. This is a headline on The Washington Post. That is obviously supposed uh, yet again. This is like putting parentheses around it, saying because he's an idiot. could go on they, they even have the the post calling david galertner a quote fiercely anti-intellectual computer scientist who might become a trump science advisor yeah he's a yale university professor he's fiercely anti-intellectual i mean they, we, we could just go all day on the washington post and the new york times but michelle i, I want to get to the inauguration because i know you're going to be down there covering it uh, for crtv.com and you've written a piece on town hall that says Look, uh, there could be some crazy stuff. You know these leftist loon groups very well. You cover them extensively. You've written about them. What do you think we're going to see? And then what could we see if things really get out of line? Well, um, I'm holding my breath. I am here in D.C. We're going to be doing a live stream for CRTV.com for our own inauguration coverage. And and we'll have people out on the ground um, covering every part of of D.C. And, And these protests, I think, are going to... Um, really be quite a handful for law enforcement here. And I'm praying for each and every one of them, because over the last couple of decades, I've seen both sort of the so-called mainstream protests and the way in which they have enabled and provided cover for uh, a lot of extreme and violent elements. And uh, James O'Keefe has done great work in in, um, exposing some of their plans, um, but that certainly isn't going to dissuade uh, many of these hardcore black block types from doing everything in their power to sow uh, the seeds of anarchy and chaos. And we've seen it in past Republican and Democrat national conventions. We've seen it at the WTO riots in Seattle, where uh, I worked for the Seattle Times and and saw uh, the kind of troublemaking that they do, the property damage, the vandalism, uh, and the ways in which law-abiding people, and and especially small business owners, um, are the worst hit. So... um, the other thing, of course, is that, the, the, that this is going to be an, a special magnet uh, for every last grievance monger on the left um, to earn their 15 minutes of fame. The ways in which that social media and uh, the, the, the potential and incentive of virality um, has exacerbated the security problem, I think, um, also has to be on the table on the radar screen. And so, you know, at every level, law enforcement is going to be trying to um, prevent this kind of stuff from happening. Um, but it's going to be a cauldron here tomorrow, Buck, I have to tell you. I, I may be asking an impossible question because I'm not sure there's one answer or really there's there's any any answer that you could anyone can come up with to explain this. But it, it seems so clear that these groups that you mentioned and you, you mentioned the, the black block tactic that some of these leftist anarchist protests use. 
It all comes from the left of the political spectrum. There are tie-ins to SEIU. You can go to some of these, even the, the craziest, looniest, most violent and destructive protests in this country, and they have very nice, shiny placards that are uniform because they've been printed out somewhere. And <laughs> I've seen some of the same ones at anti-cop protests as at Occupy Wall Street and Black Lives Matter. And then you'll all of a sudden see these people that, yeah, there's the socialist you know, workers of the world unite signs, and then there's also SEIU signs. So this comes from the left, and yet when things go really bad, and hopefully they won't at the inauguration, I know you're down there covering it for CRTV.com, but when things go really bad, the left doesn't have to own it. How is that? You know, it's always like some fringe element, but yet it's always from the left. Yes, and, and that is a very trenchant observation about these signs, because some of those answer signs have been around since the Bush years, and they use the same font. I think they, it's called Rent-A-Mob font. You know, there's Helvetica, there's Times Roman, there's Rent-A-Mob font. Um, and the obviously a lot of, of the funding and, and many of, of the conservative websites have, have reported and disclosed a lot of this funding does come from George Soros, but not all of it. Um, but ultimately, as I, as I raised in the, in the column that I wrote, you cannot say that it is fringe. And, and there are people on the ground who have been participants in these kinds of protests who have acknowledged that, yes, it is both the tacit and explicit tolerance of the so-called mainstream protests that make those fringe elements possible, and it's really not fringe at all. They've mainstreamed that kind of anarchy. And then at the political level, I pointed out that you have Democrat progressive mayors like Jean Kwan in Oakland who allowed those anarchist elements um, who hijacked uh, the protests there um, to terrorize that city. Or Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, uh, a, a classmate of mine at Oberlin College, who designated safe space for the rioters. Ultimately, the responsibility for that kind of social justice anarchy lays at the feet of the Democratic Party leadership itself. Uh, you went to Oberlin, I went to Amherst. There were commies all over the place, weren't <laughs> there? there. It's, 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 it's amazing, yeah. These small colleges, they're just... It's like their little satellite campuses from the Soviet Union, even though it's no more. Um, Michelle, uh, everyone can watch your coverage of the inauguration. Uh, where should they go? CRTV.com tomorrow, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern, and we'll be doing nighttime coverage from 7 to 9. We're going to have a lot of fun. My partner in crime will be Dan Bongino, so we're, we're, uh, we're going to offer something different. Give Dan a high five for me. Tell him I send my best, and he's a great American, and I'm proud to know him. And uh Conservative blogger, syndicated columnist, Michelle Malkin. Great to have you. Thanks so much for calling in today. Take care. Thanks, Buck. Uh, phone lines are open, team. 888-900-3393. We'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. So uh, CNN is clearly setting itself up as the Trump opposition channel. But, you know, being journalists all the time, even though it's not ideological, but it's Trump opposition constantly. And people say, Buck, what about the pro-Trump people they have on there? Yeah, they have them on there the way that someone at the carnival is invited to sit on the chair that if you, you throw the ball at the little lever, if you hit it, they get dunked in the dunk tank. That's a, that's that's the way that it is. Do you think any Trump supporter is going to get his own show? 
Do you think that there will be anybody who is raised to a position of prominence over there? Who supports Trump or supports the GOP? I think you all know the answer to that. Uh, but they have reporters who are, and yeah, okay, you report if you just report things. I, I don't, I don't put all of this uh, additional. Oh, you, you're a reporter. You must have all this journalism training and journalism ethics and all this other stuff. Uh, interesting, isn't it? That being a journalist, being a reporter, one of the few jobs for which there's no licensing. There's really no additional study needed. <laughs> it's like being a radio host. Uh, so. Let's just play. This is how Jim Acosta approached, and I have to hat tip Molly Hemingway over at the over at thefederalist.com for pulling together some of these different fake news or exaggerated news or partisan news incidents here. Um, but you have uh, Martin Luther King the third, Martin Luther King the third, uh, being asked to speak out against Trump. This is how a reporter from CNN asked questions in Trump Tower on MLK Day. And this is the way that journalists do their job. Play the clip. Isn't there something that just cuts to your core when you hear the president-elect refer to John Lewis as all talk and no action? I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. Isn't that right? John Lewis is not all talk and no action. No, absolutely. I would say John Lewis has demonstrated that he's action. On this day, what would your father's message be to President-elect Trump? What do you think your father's message would be to President-elect Trump? This is the final answer I'm going to have because I'm going to reiterate what I just said. I think my father would be very concerned about... Can we stop this clip? Can you play the play his opening question again? Because his answer is much less interesting. Play that opening again from Jim Acosta at CNN. Please go. Isn't there something that just cuts to your core when you hear the president-elect refer to John Lewis as all talk and no action? I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. Isn't that right? John Lewis is not all talk and no action. No. Is that a question or a statement, Jim Acosta? Is that a question or a statement? This, in a court of law, would be leading the witness or badgering the witness, both. This is not journalism. Sir, sir, um, this, is, this is a terrible thing that the person you just met with did. Tell me that it's a terrible thing. Tell me that it's a terrible thing. Well, you're not going to look great unless you say it's a terrible thing. And that's not the, the job of the journalist is not to establish what the position is supposed to be for the person of whom the question is being asked by the journalist. Oh, we're journalists. We're big J journalists. Please, son. Please. Nonsense. Uh, let's take Mike in California. Mike, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Wait, we, we lost Mike? Oh, Mike. Mike, buddy. We lost you. We had you. You just called in, and then you bounced away. All right, I also want to get to... Um, do we play the play the this is this is fun play the Tucker exchange speaking of fake news in the left play the Tucker exchange from last night this is on Tucker Carlson tonight and he had this HuffPost writer on which HuffPost is just a cesspool of it's just it is just a a wet oozy pile of human refuse in digital online form uh, but but play what the exchange went like. This is he brought somebody on who says that Hillary Clinton's actually president and Trump isn't. <laughs> That's the premise. Play it. You put up a page from a magazine from 1987 that you said shows, and this piece claims that Donald Trump was 30 years ago recruited by the Soviets to run for president of the United States. This is a piece from a publication called Executive Intelligence Review. It's from your piece. Keep in mind. Do you know what Executive Intelligence Review is? 
<laughs> it's a news publication. It's uh, the EIR. They have uh, lots of archives of stories going back through the 80s. <laughs> and that uh, article is detailing. Go on. But, but do, you, do you know who publishes it? There's a bit of a delay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Do you know who publishes Executive Intelligence Review? It's, it's the Lyndon LaRouche cult, the anti Semitic Lyndon cult. Lyndon LaRouche, that's right. Yeah, Lyndon yeah, LaRouche. I'm aware. So, oh, you're aware of that? Okay. So you put up as your evidence <laughs> a okay. piece stop. of propaganda stop. from the... Stop, stop, stop. Pause. So, so Tucker, uh, understandably, I would have assumed the same thing, thinks that no one... Huffington Post is one of the biggest websites in terms of overall traffic in the world. Tucker assumes that this writer for the Huffington Post could not be so insanely irresponsible and stupid as to cite a Lyndon LaRouche piece from... 20 some odd 20 plus some odd years ago as evidence of Trump being recruited by the Soviet Union. He he couldn't really do that. Right. Meaning that, OK, he's going to get a little wah, wah moment here with this guy who goes, oh, I didn't realize that's what it was. No, 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 no. This individual from The Huffington Post knew that he was citing a Lyndon LaRouche piece to say that Trump was recruited by the Soviet or by the Russian intelligence services and that that is a part of his argument that donald trump is not actually president and hillary clinton is this is not at a fringe publication this is not me finding some lunatic on twitter or facebook who's going on some rant this is not what the left does and make the alt-right seem like it's a major part of american republican politics and no no this is a writer for the Huffington Post, which is a revered leftist digital compost heap. They really dig it. They think that it does great stuff. And Ariana Huffington has gone on to do all these amazing things, darling. And this is what he writes, and he knows that he's writing it. I don't know what Tucker's mindset was, or I can't be in Tucker's head, but I got to assume he was thinking... Well, of course, he didn't know that he's citing Lyndon LaRouche as the source, right? This is... Oh, no, he does. That's how much they hate Trump. They will find... They will do anything. They will find anything. Well, if you're going to use sources like Lyndon LaRouche, people are going to start calling you fake news. More coming. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.